Welcome to the Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. This show is a collaborative effort between the members of the Story Told, Bonus Experience, and Mage the Podcast. We're going to break down the basics of Exalted from its rules to its setting. I'm Monica, 3rd Edition Supplement Developer and Lead Mechanical Developer for Exalted Essence. And I'm Chaz, Exalted Writer and Fan. I'm Terry, Producer, and any Exalts that directly oppose the Siderials are dead to me. This is going to be an interesting episode, and it's episode 10, Every Door Opened. Today is going to be a little bit different because we're talking about three uh, and maybe a little bit more types of Exalted that debuted in Exalted 3rd Edition but don't yet have their full details published. We'll pull together the information that's out there and present what we hope will give a cohesive picture of what may come. And when those other things are out, if we're still friends and don't hate each other yet, presuming we're friends to start, I don't want to presume that about other people, we're going to come back and cover them, hopefully. That's, that is the hope. Yep. And we're going to start with exigence. So what are the exigence and where did their powers come from? The exigence are the exalted of everyone else. We talk about how the exalted have a god who grants their powers. And we've talked about the price of diminishment where that god gives up a piece of their power to create the exalt. This means that the process is limited to the most powerful gods or potentially other, other entities. The exigence is a force created by the unconquered sun to allow less powerful gods to get around that. It still takes power, but the exigence lets them do that. So each exigent is unique in that they are created by different gods. Oh, so the exigence is actually a force and is not just the same as diminishment just for a lesser entity? Yes. The like the thing, the, the seal of approval from the unconquered sun that says, yes, you can have an exalt is the exigence spelled E-X-I-G-E-N-C-E. Not to be confused with the plural of exigent, exigence, which is E-X-I-G-E-N-T-S. Mm, no confusion will ever be caused Nothing, by that. No, it's very clear if you're reading it, but not very clear <laughs> if you're saying it out loud. Yeah, the, the exigence is also a physical object that gets handed to the god who wants to make an exigent. And it can be stolen and traded and all of the above because it's a physical object. Oh, so somewhere in Yushan, the unconquered sun, like God, Sky Daddy gives you an exalt box and yes. someone can steal that? Okay, got it. I hate that, but yes. <laughs> we got rid of the Jade Prison. What overly complicated physical object could we replace that with within our cosmology? I have an idea. So what examples of the exigence have we seen so far? We have seen a number of examples so far, though only a couple with rules, both in the core book and in Adversaries of the Righteous. But we've seen a whole bunch more just story examples. So in the core book, one of the kind of groups of exigents that we have heard about are the architects. And we got rules for an architect exigent in the Adversaries section in the core book. The architects are the exigents of the various city gods around creation. And the exigent example we see in the core book is the Chosen of Wujan, uh, which is a cool Kowloon city on a tiny island out in the Western Ocean city that we'll talk more about when we talk about the West. The architects as a group are one of the more common types of exigents that have commonalities. They're pretty interesting because a bunch of city gods came together and like the person who was the god who's above them hands out the exigence to them. I think they refer to as city fathers, but I think we were trying to not 
find a gendered word for that because city gods can both can be can identify however they want, including not at all. If you're making up a city too to populate your creation, it could potentially have an architect if the city god is uh, important enough to have one, or just because you want to. Yep. In my latest campaign where Nexus appeared, I set the emissary as the exigent of the city god of Nexus. Um, oh, I like and- that. Yeah, the city god of Nexus is lost and insane. So the emissary in this case is filling in for some of those divine duties as well. Is this phenomenon something that the god can take back? Or is it one of those things where they're kind of taking a little bit of a gamble, just not knowing how whatever they allow to exalt is going to do with their exaltation? All exaltations, period, are no takesy-backsies. Okay. This isn't some D&D paladin shit. Uh, The god doesn't police your behavior, and if they don't like how you're acting, there's jack shit they can do about it. Mm. You have unleashed this super-powered asshole upon the world deal. (laughs) Remember remember how we talked about in in Infernals that, like, the part of the Yozi's plan is to just sort of shake that soda can and then toss it in the middle of the room and then hope it doesn't spin back around and get on them? Like, that's sort of the same thing. Like, you are giving this power to someone, so the bigger exaltations, like... Lunar and solar and whatnot are are a little bit more random. There is a choice, but sometimes it's like fate that makes that happen as the unconquered sun doesn't attend to all of his exaltations. He's got more important things to do. Heroin blowjob. But like an exigent is often much more like a specific choice because sometimes there's only just one of them and we will get to that in a little bit. Yeah, there's actually a really good example of that in the core book. In the closing fiction and art, we see the straw maiden Janist, who is the chosen of a field god. And the field god assesses all of the potential appropriate worshippers and picks the one that he wants to empower and uses the exigence to make her an exalt. Um, And he is such a minor god that it diminishes him away to nothing. But he knows that his village, the village that worships him, will be safe because he's empowered this champion. What is the point, though, of a god doing that? Why wouldn't they just intercede themselves? I mean, first off, most gods are not material. Like, they have to give up a significant portion of their power to go, whoop, I'm physically here now, and then to do things. And so, in part, interceding physically is kind of a big act. Like, mechanically, I I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head if it still works this way in 3rd edition, because I think it does, but in previous editions, it literally cost them half their moat pool. To it's appear. about that, yeah. Yeah. Gods are pretty badass, but there are also lots of things tuned specifically to trap, destroy, and unmake them. Also, in this case in particular, the field god being a very minor god really doesn't have a lot of power, but using that power to uh, create an exalt makes the mortal more powerful than the god ever was because it, it ate away all of his essence and destroyed him. So that powered her up to be like almost solar power level as an exigent. If you are a field god, the things you were probably good at are like make crops grow and harvest wheat and not like fight the fair folk, which is the problem in the story, right? Yes. Uh, so ten, his name's Ten Sheaves, if I recall correctly, too. That right? sounds right. Sounds right? Okay. He may also literally not have the capacity to do anything about the fair folk because the things he can do are like make more wheat and instantly create bread. <laughs> and there's not a whole lot. That is the best Powered by the Apocalypse playbook I've ever heard. <laughs> um, do we get other any other examples of exigence that empower exalts with the exigence? 
Oh, sure. There's a whole bunch of examples in the core book. Uh, one of the ones I really like in the why play and exigent section where they give a whole bunch of examples is the Chosen of Dice, empowered by Plentimon, the god of gambling, who won their exaltation uh, in a game of dice against the dice god, uh, which I, I've always liked Plentimon as a god, and uh, I think that's a great way to win an exaltation. That has very like good myth feel. Yep. Like, yeah, of course I won. I won it in a game of dice. I also really like the Bleak Warden. Their whole thing is goth and rat as hell. They're like the god of a supernatural prison empowered by that. They have the power of seals. They can like seal things off or I suppose also break seals. Like it's just sort of implied the power of seals, sealing and unsealing and then like imprisoning things or using that power to like control things in that way, which really feels like some shonen anime nonsense to me and I'm into it. <laughs> nice. And Plenty Mon um, evolved from Adequate Mon who then evolves into a Bundamon. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Digivolves. Digivolves. Digivolves, sorry. <laughs> it ends in Mon. It's got to be a digital Digimon, right? we got got to keep these things straight. Yeah. Right. Come on, Terry. <laughs> Adversaries of the Righteous also provides the example of Odara, chosen of Ash, who's a volcano god exigent from the West. And so we, we get some uh, more examples of exigence powers in her case it's a whole bunch of volcano themed powers so all of the charms are very volcano-y and the realm which is one of my favorite books in exalted third edition i'm gonna toss a spicy take in here so it's my fan opinion not my person who makes decisions for the line sometimes decision uh, opinion uh, is that exigence from the new edition onward should probably be the building block of the core rules not solar's why? This allows people to get comfortable with the overall idea of playing an exalt and then granting flexible tools for the system. This would also be a place for a theoretical fourth edition where we could introduce universal charms as a concept to the whole line as opposed to like an essence thing. And then you can get real specific about it. Solars can be book too, but I think like the idea of come up with your own unique character, make up whatever, here's a whole bunch of universal charms that you can use to make all your guys from the beginning is maybe a better place to start in the future. Obviously we're well past that now. So do the exigents then have casts or some other analogy? They mostly don't have casts, except in the rare cases where a very powerful god creates multiple exigents, but that's definitely an edge case. Um, instead, the domain and characteristics of the god uh, create a unique exaltation. Most exigents are a singular entity, the sole champion of one god, unless that god is strong enough to have multiple, or a chosen of collective gods i guess that's more the architect example they are the epitome of original character do not steal because <laughs> they are the they are the type where you can like make up anything you want including the god who gave you power what is the yeah. most powerful divine entity in creation that does not have its own exalt type good question <laughs> like maybe the like heads of each bureau yep that's yeah. what I was thinking, like M.O. Yeah. and Ruiva, and I can't remember the names of any the of the others of off the top of my I'm head. I'm impressed yeah. you had two. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them, because they're pretty important. Like, gods are mostly ranked by how many things they are in charge of and how important that is. I suppose that you could you could play an exigent who is the exigent of Naro as a, and have it be, like, slightly different than being a chosen of secrets. <laughs> I just like the idea that you could be the chosen of toast now. <laughs> I'm just jazzed for seeing what those rules come up to be. I'm particularly interested in the idea of the flame of exigence being stolen. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's... 
You steal the god box. It is called the flame of exigence, so I guess I always picture it like a torch. Ooh. Uh, so what is the, then the role of exigence in creation? So, like I mentioned earlier, the realm talks about their place in the Immaculate Order, where the Immaculate Order believes that these people shouldn't have been interacting with gods in the first place, but that they can redeem themselves in the perfected hierarchy through service to the Immaculate Order. Uh, and we get some more examples of exigents who serve the realm or have served the realm or have are on the outs with the realm. So they definitely have a place. Um, I really like this because it offers more possibility for mixed play with the dragon-blooded, who are often at odds with the other exalted. But because each one is, is unique, uh, their place in creation can be unique. I also like that by default... Most exigents are on the same power level as the dragon blood. Of course, they are the make your own type, so they don't have to be, but like that's sort of the general consensus. Like, if you took an average of all of them, that's where it would be, which it fills out. I don't want to call it the bottom tier, but like the terrestrial level stuff, it fills that out and makes it way more interesting instead of basically everything being celestial. And then we have the dragon blooded who kind of suck, which is sort of how it was framed, at least in second edition, which was not good. And the idea you say behind dragon-blooded is they're, they're kind of acting as a cartel, that they want all worship to the gods to have to go through the Immaculate Order so that they can then pass it on to, to use it as a way of controlling them. And now having these exigents running around allows for a direct interaction with worshipers in a way that they're kind of not wanting. Is that, is that kind of the crux there? Yep. Okay, yep. cool. That's definitely part of the problem. So what do we know about exigents mechanically so far, if anything? The mechanics for the exigence have been described as build your own exalted. Uh, I know we've said that a couple times so far, which sounds both amazing and daunting. Part of the criticality of releasing the exigence book early in the line is to provide advice on, on not just how to do that for the exigence, but on charm design and customization in general for anyone who wants to, to kind of do more custom stuff at their home table with Exalted. So that's part of what I'm really looking forward to in the book. I think that I've heard that there's going to be like three fully fleshed out example exigents in the book, and then a whole bunch of advice about how to build your own. There are so many things I can't tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I worked um, on exigents. <laughs> both of the examples that we've seen rules for use attribute plus ability, but can only apply their ability when they do something thematic with their exigent type. So both the architect and the volcano chosen fall into that category. So I don't know if this means they're attribute based or, or if they're attribute plus ability based or if it's flexible, but uh, there's going to be lots of options. That's what I know. What are, then are the key things we still don't know about the exigence? I guess we don't really know how they interact with other exalts, except that I do, because I worked on Exigence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a sound effect for that. Monica going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> But it sounds like we don't have an idea of how they interact with other exalts, uh, what their society is going to be like, if anything else. Uh, they're still going to have charms. That's going to be the structure. We don't have an idea if they have any other fundamental mechanics, like a sidereal astrology or access to sorcery, not those things specifically, but some other system that kind of makes them the bee's knees or lunar uh, metamorphosis or what have you. We don't have any of that information yet. When can we expect to get our hands on the exigence? 
<laughs> well, Exigence is the next big book up for release. As of our recording in early September 2020, uh, the book is in post-second draft development. I know the original intention was to have one big book Kickstarter per year, which means that Exigence was hopefully going to be in 2020. But with COVID, I know that lots of stuff has been delayed, and so... At this point, I would probably expect a Kickstarter for them sometime early next year. And thanks to the precedent set by Dragonblooded and Lunars, we'll get the full manuscript during the Kickstarter, which means that they'll be fully playable, um, if not fully polished, during the Kickstarter campaign. And like we mentioned earlier, that means that we will probably revisit them in early 2021 alongside the Kickstarter to do a full episode on the Exigence, perhaps. And then sometime in 2022, we'll get the physical or at least print-on-demand versions of the books in our hands. Anyway, shall we uh, move on to our next uh, Exalt type? Yeah, let's move on. The next Exalt type. So what are the Katimians and where do their power come from? Where their power comes from is still a mystery in what has been presented publicly. They were created in the distant past and recently rediscovered by rogue sidereal Rakan Thulio, who has a bone to pick with the gods ruling creation and has been waging a war against Yushan for centuries. The Timians come from possible destinies that were trimmed from the loom of fate. So instead of starting out in creation, they start in a possible creation. And when they exult, they find themselves in current creation, but they have never existed. Uh, so what does it mean to be trimmed from the loom of fate? That sounds like like a badass euphemism for just like shooting a guy. <laughs> just... uh, it means that the line of reality code that indicated you were going to be something special got deleted, but the Gatimian exaltation saves a backup. So you remember it happening, even though it didn't. Oh, interesting. So that's kind of like when a game is released and there's a whole bunch of assets that aren't actually used from a level that was unreleased. And suddenly yes. we introduced one of the monsters, like the boss from a deleted level into the main thing. Yeah. Yes. Huh. But it's a bug and it was never meant to be there. And the boss monster remembers its old level and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think we're pushing the metaphor a little bit here, but... I don't know. Sometimes this <laughs> metaphor works surprisingly well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, then what is their role in creation if they literally are defined by not having a role in creation? Their place does seem to be in opposition to the Sidereals as part of Rakan Thulio's war. And one of the core aspects of being a Gatimian is to answer the question of how will you avenge yourself against heaven and the agents of destiny who have wronged you beyond imagining by removing you, you and your destiny from existence. Do we have any mechanics then on the Gatimians? Yeah, uh, I can answer this question because there was actually a Gatimian in um, one of the playtests that was streamed. Uh, so the essence Katimians get to play a little mini game with their moat pools where they split it up into flowing and still, and then whichever they assign higher grants bonuses and affects the rest of their mechanics, like the way their charms work and stuff. Um, your cast determines whether or not you resonate with one state or another, whether you are a flowing or a still cast. Um, and they split evenly cause there's four of them. Um, and like that, yes, it's very convenient. Um, and they like it, you mess around with that. Um, and so in essence, at least, it is about dividing up your resources, not about spending them. And so I would, ex because that's very simple, <laughs> and so I would expect um, the third edition version to be similar, but more complex, like have more steps or perhaps be a little bit more involved. That's my... Uh... 
of the exalt types that we were starting about, have they always existed? Are they being retconned in, or is this something new to the, the time of troubles? So, yeah, so with the exigence, uh, it has always existed, and so they got retconned into the history of creation in third edition with the idea that the unconquered sun in turning away from creation also wasn't handing out the exigence as much, and so has been handing out more exigence recently. Uh, but some of it was still out there. And then for Gatimians, I think it's been said that the exaltations were created long ago, but this is the first time that they are appearing in creation. Okay, thanks. Um, so what key things about the Gatimians are still unknown? There are a bunch of unanswered questions. The big one is who granted their power? Exaltation requires a lot of metaphysical oomph, and there's a bunch of Gatimians, so... It's an interesting question where that, that power came from. Yeah, we also don't know what their society is like or how long they've really existed. But then again, they're timey-wimey, wibbly-wobby, whatever. So maybe the question of how long have they really existed isn't the question we should try to answer anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I like how creation got real utilitarian real fast about weighing the, the lives of the unborn and so on. I'm like, this is, this is weird exalt territory for someone who has a minor in philosophy. I'm just putting that one out there. And I, I look forward to seeing how that goes. <laughs> yeah, they should be fun. And when can we expect information about the Gatimians? Well, I believe the intention is for the Gatimians to come out alongside or shortly after Sidereals, who are the next exalt type after Exigence. At the current pace, that means likely as part of a 2022, 2022 Kickstarter. That said, if the book of Gatimians comes out as a companion book, like the realm was with what fire has wrought, we may we we probably won't get the Gatimian content during the Kickstarter campaign, but it will be available alongside-ish when the Sidereals book comes out in 2023. That would be my guess. Essence definitely will have the Gatimians in them, but it is just an overview where it just introduces like, hey, they're from another timeline. They get they you have to play a weird minigame. <laughs> you got your native charms have weird modes. Here you go. The philosophical questions you have about Gatimians will not be answered in essence, so uh, don't go looking for it there. It will only raise more questions than answers. So I guess the last of the ones we're going to do a formal overview of are the liminals. So who are the liminals and from where do they get their powers? Uh, one of the few things in creation that magic and sorcery can never accomplish is to truly return the dead to life. And when this att is attempted, it can turn the subject into a liminal. Uh, like all exaltations, though, their power comes from somewhere. And in the case of liminals, that's the Dark Mother. So if someone is trying to return another person to life, not animate a corpse, not bind their spirit to an automaton, but truly return them to life, the Dark Mother can say, ooh, that's a liminal now. What is then the place of the liminals in creation, or since creation generally doesn't include the dead in the uh, expanded exalted universe? I mean, like, that's that's the whole thing. They don't they don't have a clear place or rather that part of their theme is finding that place. You might say they're liminal. None of you can see the face I made, but I'm sure you could hear it. Uh. Yeah, that was my my line that I wrote. So uh, it, was, it was kind of funny having you read it. <laughs> <laughs> they also have a bond to their creator that keeps them human ish. Uh, and if their creator dies, they're left in turmoil, and they need to forge a new bond to retain their humanity. Their whole thing is dealing with the dead, but in a less tyrannical way, 
than Abyssals. They're not the lords of the dead. They're a good bit more psychopompy. Yeah, uh, the impression I got from the 3E core was that they are more helpful in that sense, and they are agents of of closure and healing. They just happen to be kind of corpse-like. Yes. Uh, Do the liminals have casts? Liminals have aspects rather than casts. I'm not really sure there's a distinction, but they're rooted in the elements of life and death, and based on the passion of whoever created the the, uh, liminal. So the intention behind trying to raise the dead is what defines the liminal's cast. I would argue that a cast is more like a role and an aspect is more like a defined part of your personality or like your nature. Okay. You know how we were like, oh, a, a dawn cast you could convert your D&D fighter to and then you're like, but a fire aspect is much harder to capture that same idea. And that is because like dawn cast is a role of the supernal warrior And fire aspect is like your nature of a being empowered by the element of fire. (laughs) So starting off the top, we have the aspect of blood who are born from lust, greed, and ambition. They are described as wellsprings of passion and vessels for binding forces. Then we have the aspect of breath, which are born from regret or repentance. They are reflective and reactive and have the power to possess, motivate, and animate. Aspects of flesh are born from rage, madness, and vengeance, and they're motivated by aggression and have the power of metamorphosis. Then we have the marrow aspects, who are born from curiosity and obsession. They are calculating and analytical and see the secret nature of things. And finally, aspects of soil are born from sorrow, despair, and yearning. They're introspective and offer omens and revelation. They are masters of the cycle of decay and rebirth. Do we know anything about their powers or abilities? Liminals are attribute-based exalted from the one example we have in the core book, and they get their attribute plus essence if their anima is flaring for excellencies. They have the ability to use other body parts to repair and improve themselves, and they appear human until they spend too much essence, at which point their corpse-like form becomes apparent. The example charms we've seen in the core book include a lot of body horror. Yeah, and I can confirm that their essence version pretty much does all of these things. Lauren Roy played a blood aspect diplomacy corpse in in the second streamed uh, essence playtest during our charity drive. (laughs) Diplomacy corpse. So when do we get to learn more about the liminals? Like the Gatimians are being paired with Siderials, I think the plan is to pair liminals with abyssals because both interact with the underworld and forces of death. And then I pretty sure that abyssals is next up after siderials so what like 2023 2023 for the kickstarter hopefully are the liminals new or have they now always been there can i put my speculation hat on for that or do you have a a real answer sure we talked about how the death of the primordials created the underworld as it is today If I were a betting man, I would say that the forces behind the liminal exaltation were also put in whatever place they are in at at that time. Given that everyone in creation knows that you can't bring the dead back to life, the number of, of liminals would always have been small, but they could always have been a, a present but quiet force. They almost certainly would have to have started existing post the cycle of reincarnation getting busted. We've talked about the the three main, but uh, to quote the theme of Gilligan's Island and the rest, are there any more types of exalt that are either planned or that have been speculated about or published about? 
Part of the plan for Exalted 3rd Edition was to add a whole bunch of new Exalted types. The ones we discussed previously, obviously, are the ones that are going to get complete coverage, but there are a few more concepts that are going to be explored as optional Exalted types. Plan is to present them as optional because the dev staff thinks they have more limited appeal and don't really need to exist in creation. Yep, there are three. There's really not been a lot revealed about them, but we can go through what is out there. First are the Umbrals. They're the chosen of a forgotten Arncarna, born in darkness, shadow, and inflicted with a terrible other that influences their actions. That, to me, says maybe something like the shadow in, in Wraith, but a voice in their head that is telling them to do terrible things. There are the Heart Eaters, who were corrupted by the death of their Incarna during the Divine Rebellion, and they are now Body Snatchers, who alter and subsume the wills of those around them. And uh, finally, the Dream Souls, who are somehow connected to the Wild, and really not much else about them has been revealed. This is a, there are so many things I can't tell you right now. <laughs> can't or won't. Terry, play the Monica's under an NDA sound effect. When can we expect to see then those other Exalteds, possibly, if we have any timeline information? The plan now is to include them as an appendix to the Exigence book, with Exigence being the build-your-own-exalted book that gives you all of the tools that you need to uh, expand upon these concepts rather than fleshing them out with a full charm set. Each of them are said to get uh, a set of example charms, but they won't be getting full books. I, I suspect that if any of them were to become fan favorites, we might get con more content for them down the road. Though I wouldn't hold my breath for a fan favorite content book. <laughs> Not to be that asshole, but like, it's 2020, the line came out in what, 2016, and we're on, we're not even on St. Ariel's yet, so being like, there might be a fan favorite book is really shooting for the moon here. <laughs> uh, though I am certain some enterprising fan will write them as community content. Yes, I'm sure. Yes. Given the number sure. of exalt types that are out there in community content that are not presented at all, if there's a kernel, I'm sure people will run with it. So... That was fascinating. Monica, there was a lot you couldn't tell us. If we're interested in information about what you can actually tell us, where can we find that? You can either listen to me talk about all sorts of game design things and sometimes reveal things about Essence, but don't go scouring every episode for it. It's really few and far between. Uh, you can go listen to Bonus Experience at bonusexpcast.com. We figured out how to automate making the website update. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at Zenith Sun. Chaz, where can we find out what you're up to? You can follow me on Twitter as at StoryToldChaz. Uh, and if you want to hear me run Exalted for a group of dragon-blooded characters, you can check out The Fall of Giara on the StoryTold podcast feed. And if you're interested in finding out what I'm up to, I'm at Terry Robinson on Twitter or MageThePodcast.com. If you're interested in having a more conversational uh, interaction, go to Discord.me slash MageThePodcast, and you can hear me curse about trying to write a Mage the Ascension SRD. And with that, we're out! Thank you for listening to Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. Go to ExaltCast.com to subscribe, see our show notes, or listen to our past episodes. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Anchor.fm. If you have a question, shoot us an email at questions at ExaltCast.com. If you'd like to support our show, please consider using the affiliate links in our show notes to make purchases on DriveThruRPG and TheStorytellerVault.com. The opening theme is Return of the Solar Exalted, and the closing theme is the Sidereal Exalted Lesser But Safe from Fanfare for the Chosen by James Simple, and is used with permission. In the meantime, exalt strong.